Hello and welcome to this week's Sabbath School Commentary. My name is Lawson Walters. I am a Bible worker and a radio host here in the North New South Wales Conference. And I have been tasked by our Sabbath School leader, Matt Parra, to give some explanation and some commentary on this week's Sabbath School. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be jumping right into this week's lesson, Deuteronomy in the later writings, which has been very fascinating to see. And I love the point that the Sabbath School, it says, yeah, one of the fascinating things about the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is how often it refers to and alludes to itself. That is, the later writers of the Old Testament refer to earlier ones using them and their writings to make point. As we know, the Bible is very historical. It is often telling stories. I know in my personal devotions, I'm reading through Samuel at the moment, and it's just going story by story, point by point. But also the Bible has a message to share with us of one of transformation, one of great love from God that is consistently runs throughout, a big long chord runs throughout the Bible. And so it makes sense that it would always be alluding to itself. And that's what we see is one of the examples that it gives here in the Saturday in the Saturday reading that we see from the Sabbath from Psalms chapter 81 and verse 10 I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt open your mouth wide and I will fill it now this is a beautiful promise and within a beautiful psalm about how yeah God has provided everything for you he brought you out of Egypt you won't be enslaved you'll be able to live autonomously in the way that he has blessed you to do. But it's interesting here, this is an illusion that comes from the Old Testament. This is directly quoting from the Ten Commandments. And we see a little bit of an implicit link between commandment keeping obedience to the Lord uh, and the blessings that he will put upon us, which will be uh, a topic that we a little bit later as we are journeying through our Sabbath school this week. It also uses uh, Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, as he's writing it, he uses allusions from the Old Testament too, when he writes in chapter 4 and verse 23, I looked on the earth and behold, it was formless and void and to the heavens and they had no light. So again, we see an example of allusions being made to the Old Testament to make a point, to say, hey, this is what the people of old said. This is how they were trying to communicate God's message, God's purpose to you. And this is how I can commentate on it and apply it directly to your situation, our situation today. And we pretty much do that entirely. I am not a prophet of the Lord. I don't write books of the Bible, but I do preach and speak about him, whether it be Bible study or whether it be within my radio show, or whatever it is. And the whole point is going to the Bible itself, seeing what it's saying, seeing the points and the messages that it has and applying it to, to our day, not to change what the scripture says, but to give us meaning and hope and direction. And when we see this happening in this really incredible story that our week Sabbath school highlighted, taking place just before the captivity in Babylon, it takes us to 2 Kings chapter 22 and the story of Josiah. So that is exactly what we're going to look at. 2 Kings chapter 22. I'm just going to be reading through and seeing the way that God worked in Josiah and how like they just, oh, they had such a powerful witness to them in the fact that they had not had the Bible for hundreds of years, generations. They had not had the Bible, and they finally find it again, and we see the amazing effect that takes place. But before we get into Josiah's story, we're going to read a little bit before to get some perspective and understanding in 2 Kings chapter 21 and verse 19. So starting in verse 19, it says, Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was uh, Meshulameth, 
a daughter of Heraz. Of, I'm sorry if I mispronounce those names, but they're pretty tough. Uh, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. Now, this is a pretty stock standard description of kings. As different kings come along throughout the book of Kings, Samuel and Chronicles as well, but most specifically throughout Kings, as it highlights lights of lives of different kings, it usually tells us a little bit about that person, when they started to reign, how long they reigned for, what was the effect of their reign, and specifically whether they were a king that was faithful to God or whether they were a king that was walking in idolatry and false practices. And we see that super clearly with Ammon here. This is an illusion that the Bible kind of always makes is they refer to previous generations of faithful people or unfaithful people to characterize what this specific king was like. And we see that with Ammon here. It's just like this guy was like Manasseh and his father Manasseh, who Manasseh was a, was one of the terrible kings. Um, but yeah, this guy is like his father Manasseh, and he was awful, and he did lots of evil, and he did lots of bad things. So this is what we see happening in Jerusalem, and this has been happening for a fair few generations. There were some good people in the midst of this, but for the most part, it was just like, it gets quite, kind of discouraging reading through Kings, and you just read, oh, there was this king, and he was cool, but he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he died. And this king, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, he died. And one of my favorite stories, I would say almost favorite stories in the Bible uh, in this period is like the story of Jehu. And it's, oh, Jehu was used by the Lord, and he tore down the altars and the temples, and he killed the prophets, and it's this action man who stands for God. And then it closes his story out and it says, oh, but he fell into the sins of his fathers and died. And it's, come on, man. Can we just have a king who is faithful? But thankfully, Ammon here, although being an unfaithful king, he gives birth to a faithful king. We get to verse uh, chapter 22 and verse 1 and the Bible says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was the daughter of Adia, uh, Adiah of Boz, and he did what is right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. So, gives us a basic description here. Josiah, he's a faithful guy. He doesn't turn to the right. He doesn't turn to the left. It equates him to David. Now we know that David wasn't a wasn't a consistently faithful person, like in terms of he made mistakes in his life, but. The point, the big point, I feel like what's really being highlighted here by being one that walks in the ways of David is even when he falls and when he stumbles, as David did, he comes back to God. Unlike Ammon, who died in his sins, who never repented, he didn't come back to God. We see Josiah here, although he is, like all of us, a mistake-ridden human being, he has the sense and he knows in his heart, okay, I need to come back to God. And so he does consistently, he has in his heart the want to follow God. And even when he falls, he repents and follows him, which is really interesting because it's, as I mentioned before earlier, and this is what this story is really going to revolve around. They have no access to the Bible. They can't even see God. And it's just, man, how is it that they were inspired in that way? And so we have to believe that God is really working in these situations. But we go on to read what Josiah does. So it says in verse three, now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shephan, the scribe, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshalam, to the house of the Lord. And he said this, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people and let them deliver it into the hands of those doing the work who are overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are 
in the house of the Lord, doing the work to repair the damages of his house. Now, one of the big things about Josiah, one of the important things uh, and what made him particularly special and faithful king is that when he comes into kingship, he can see the idols throughout the temple. He sees that the people are distracted with idol worship and the temple becomes no more than that, just a place of idol worship and storage for garbage. And he sees this and he's like, no, we need to fix this place up. We need to throw out all the idols and we need to reform our worship. And he does so by employing different builders and, and tradesmen and whatnot to go in. He gets Hilkiah here to come on board as the high priest and to re-establish the pure worship of God. And they're doing so. But now he asks for this guy, this priest, he's named Shaphan. He's a scribe. And he's telling them to deliver money that has been given to those who are overseeing the reconstruction of the house of the Lord. And, and we can and we see that as we continue in verse six, it says to carpenters and to builders and by timber and hewn stone to repair the house. However, there needn't be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. Uh, we can see a lot of faith here shown by Josiah. He's like, he can really see God working in this circumstance. He's like, hey, there's no reason to take account. There's no reason to get bogged down in, in the, uh, the accounting here. Just give these guys money so that they can use it. I believe that they're faithful and we're going to get the house of the Lord rebuilt. He's not putting red tape in front of anyone. He just wants this to be done as soon as he possibly can because he has a deep desire in his heart to restore true worship within Israel. And so uh, Shaphan goes to do that. The Bible says in verse 8, Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law. So Shaphan goes and they start to have this conversation and Hilkiah says to him, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. So this is super important point. For generations, they haven't been following God. And for generations, the temple has, yes, been existing, but it's been full of idols. It's been desolate in terms of godly worship to the point where they don't even know where the only copy of the Bible in the world is the only copy of scripture. They have no idea where it is, but they find it here. After generations and generations, they find it here in the within the temple. And notice how it references, the, it calls this the book of the law. It says within the Sabbath school that scholars have long concluded that the book of the law being mentioned here is the book of Deuteronomy. We could at least say that at the very least, it's the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, but more specifically, it's this book of Deuteronomy in which it's being given here to Josiah, which Hilkiah is found to give to Shaphan to read to Josiah. Uh, at this time, there were very little people who were uh, literate, even kings. It was very likely that Josiah couldn't read. And so the scribe, though, he was you know, a part of the class of people who could read, who could write. And the message is from Hilkiah, hey, I've got this book of the Lord. This book, you should read it. You should check it out. Uh, so then we get to verse 9. It says, so Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing with him, bringing the king the word, saying, your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. And then in verse 10, it says, Shaphan the scribe showed the king saying, Hilkiah, the high priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. So he sits down and he reads, he reads Josiah, the book of the law, the book of Deuteronomy for the first time in, in generations. They're reading the scripture. And we see what the result is in verse 11. It says, Now it happened when the king heard the word of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. 
And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Akbur the son of Micaiah, uh, Shaphan the scribe, and Azariah the servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found, the great wrath of the Lord that has aroused against us, uh, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. And this is like a super big point historically, is that we we see in the Sabbath school that Josiah reigned from roughly 640 to 609 BC. It's in 606 when Nebuchadnezzar would make his reign or t- take his reign as king of Babylon. And by that time, we know once we get to the book of Daniel, Daniel is already there at that time. So they've destroyed Jerusalem. They've taken people captive and ultimately they are being ruled over. Josiah can see this. This is a, this at the time was very slow moving. You could see political trends happening. But you've got Israel right here sandwiched between Egypt and Assyria and a Babylon approaching as well. You've got the kingdom of the Medes starting to rise up. We know that they would become the Medo-Persian Empire later and become the ruling empire of the world. But Josiah is seeing that on all sides, they are being surrounded and encroached on and that they are in prime position to be destroyed. And he can see that because he reads the book of the law. He discusses these blessings and these curses that we've been looking at from Deuteronomy. These things of, oh, if you leave the Lord, if you disobey him, you will be destroyed. He sees this and he's like, we're going to be destroyed. God's anger is hot against us. What can we do other than read the book of the law, other than follow what it says, other than reestablish true worship and inquire of the Lord to save us from our great and terrible sins. He sees this clearly in his life and he's like, this is what needs to happen right now. Desperate need to come back to God in the little time that we have to be faithful to him. And so they do. They gather people together. They read the book of the law. They get deep. They try to understand what's going on. And it really calls back to a verse that we've looked in at in the previous uh, weeks in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, where the Bible says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your... When we choose sin, when we choose to walk away from God, we are choosing death, our ultimate and eventual death. And this takes place in in two senses. You've got the spiritual concept, the fact that the blessings of the Lord won't be with you for for Israel. What it looked like is that when they would leave the Lord and, and worship idols, his protection would be lifted and they had the ability to be attacked by other nations. But then there's just the natural consequences of sin that are so terrible of leading a worse life, having broken relationships, all of these different things. It ultimately leads us to death and destruction. And in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, as we're reading here, and the, I think the big thing that, the big encouragement and the big, the big driving force that Josiah is seeing is like, hey, we have the ability to choose life. We have been consistently choosing death and we are fully set up to die, but we have the ability to choose life today. And they do under Josiah's reign. They have a decent reign. Unfortunately, when Josiah passed away, they received kings that weren't as faithful and Jerusalem was eventually destroyed. But this is, yeah, just an incredibly important point as they were God's chosen people. Yet when they decided to disobey him, 
they led themselves down a path of destruction. For me, I've been a Seventh-day Adventist for five, six years now, and I believe wholeheartedly we are a chosen people with a chosen message for the world. Yet if we don't realize like Josiah did, that we are actually far from God, we are uh, poor, miserable, blind and naked, and we don't come back to him and repent and choose life, we will not be able to serve our function as we move closer and closer towards basically either destruction or salvation, depending on which side you're on. That's what we see in Jesus's second coming. So let's be on the side that is ultimately choosing God. And I think I'll finish with this verse as the Bible study also finishes with this verse. It says, and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13. The Bible study also gets into the book of Jeremiah um, and also Daniel and sees the great reflection that they made on the book of the law and how for Jeremiah, it was this thing of we need, it doesn't matter that we're God's people. It doesn't matter that we have the temple. We need to repent and do justly and support those who are struggling within our community. We need to be acting faith. And then in Daniel's case, it was, oh, we are in deep need to call out to God and to repent for our terrible and sinful actions. But we see that this knowledge, this understanding is predicated on their reading of the law and of seeing that, man, if we don't come back to God, we will be destroyed. For Jeremiah, at one point, he's, you know, he's on kind of one side of that destruction. For Daniel, he's on the other side of that destruction. And I think the beautiful thing is, though, when we do come back to the Lord and repent, we have the ability to be, yeah, saved. He will redeem us. And that's exactly what he did for the Israelites as we think further to Nehemiah rebuilding the kingdom and eventually ushering uh, the Jews having the opportunity to usher in uh, the first advent of the Messiah. As we look towards his second advent, let's come back. Let's read the book of the law. Let's see these blessings and cursings and apply them to us today, not in a literal sense, uh, but in the sense of hey, if we do what God has called us to do and we are not living as God is calling us to live, we run the risk of being destroyed. Um, and as we get closer to time, that the odds uh, of that happening become higher. Any guys, anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to our Sabbath School commentary for today. I hope you're blessed by Deuteronomy found throughout the scriptures. And yeah, I hope you guys will be continuing to follow the Sabbath School, studying hard and seeing the rich blessings from the book of Deuteronomy.